I do not fear you. My name is Matthew Kroll. You will. And I'm Princess Weeks. <laughs> and this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Princess, thank you so much for coming back and co-hosting on this Shahirless episode. How are <laughs> thank- you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for allowing me to uh, enjoy on this movie that I thought I was going to be the only one seeing. Same. So now there are two of us. Yes, there are. <laughs> there are. There's literally two of us. Um, <laughs> I was I was pumped from frame one of this trailer. Oh, I don't yeah. like. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I love vampires. Maybe it's because I love Dracula and sort of twists on it, even when they're bad. But mm-hmm. like. The group, I I forget what movie I was seeing when the trailer came up. And I like turned to my group of friends, like really excited, like, oh man, cool. And they all looked at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) I remember when I saw this trailer, it was for Renfield, funny enough. Okay. And it was me and my friend Nella Joy. And Nella also did see this movie. And we were both like, this is the shit that we love. (laughs) Because it's like, like, that part of Dracula is like so cool and surreal and like hyper goth and it never gets adapted because it's just like let's speed up the plot yep but i was just like oh they took the one scene and they just made it into a movie this is culture um and it's it's certainly culture all right it <laughs> is there's a lot here um before we dive in uh i just want to catch up with you we haven't chatted in a little bit since we did polite society i know uh, what, what you've been up to lately what you've been working on Oh, man. I mean, with everything going on, I've been, like, working on a lot of smaller projects. I'm doing a video about Doctor Who and uh, just thinking about it retrospectively because there's a new Magic the Gathering set mm-hmm. coming out. And it made me have so many feelings. And then I started rewatching the show and I was just like, oh, right. Not all the feelings are great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rewatching season series three with Martha. And I'm just like, Ted, you are such... It's <laughs> I, admittedly, I am not a a, a, a Hoovian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, said it right. Uh, I've watched episodes and enjoyed them, but I feel like I've jumped around. Mm-hmm. So I have no idea which Doctor is what year or like yeah. any of that stuff. Uh, I've always enjoyed it, but it's one of those. It's one of those things. It's kind of like uh, what I feel like Critical Role is for people, where there's so much mm. content. I'm like, how how do I start this on a limited time schedule? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I decided to to start watching One Piece this year, so oh. it's it, so it's like the, it never ends. But yeah, I've been doing that. I've been seeing a lot of movies. I obviously did the the Barbenheimer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I saw Theater Camp, which was very good. Oh. Uh, if you haven't seen it, highly no. recommend. It's okay. quite good. Um, I just saw Frances Ha for the first time at Metrograph here in beautiful New York City. Nice. Um, never saw it before. Great Greta so good in it mm-hmm. it's it's a perfect movie to watch while you're thinking about your career in life in your late 20s early 30s <laughs> and you're Man, like wow I'm, relatable I'm, as fuck <laughs> yeah i'm 20 years too late to see it then i guess um oh no you're, you're, no you're not <laughs> but, you work in the creator space you'll oh, never yeah. be too old <laughs> i'm i'm eternally i'm wearing a baseball hat for this uh for this podcast i'm super young fellow young people um <laughs> Did you see, I think it was the last movie that we did on the podcast last week, although Sheer and I pre-recorded a bunch, so uh, everyone in the audience, hi, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Did you see Mutant Mayhem? Oh, you know I did. I had the best time. It was so good. 
Ice Cube was voice acted for his life. Yeah. Like the rent was due. It was so good. And I had the best experience because I went, because I have an Alamo path. That's how I see cinema. Yeah. And so I was sitting next to these two young kids. And they I knew that they were cool because the trailer for like an Illumination movie came on. And the little uh, child next to me was like, uh, is Illumination ever going to make a good movie? And I was like, <laughs> we're here. I was like, I was like, bars. <laughs> So <laughs> just like just like uh exhausted disgust from a child at a from children's mouth, movie from the mouth of babes i was like i was like it was so excellent perfect i love that did, did those children seem to enjoy ninja turtles oh they had a great time the best part was we were we were laughing and i was i understood all the jokes thank god i found out what riz meant at two months ago so i could understand the youths um but at the end uh the kid goes to me and is like ma'am uh do you know if there's gonna be a post-credit scene and i was like let me find out so and and so i was like oh there's gonna be a mid-credit scene so we sat and we watched it and i was like did you like the movie and the kid was like you know i thought it was good you know i kind of missed uh seeing uh shredder and then the mid-credit scene happens and it's shredder we're both like yeah Yeah. (laughs) it it felt good it was honestly one of those experiences where i actually like seeing kids movies during like the like the kid friendly hour because yep. I feel like then I'm seeing it with the right audience because yeah. I feel like I remember I saw Shazam Fury of the Gods at like a in like the, one of those audiences and they had zero interest in that um, teenage Kraken movie uh-huh. from then so that's how I knew the youths are not with it they right. are not interested <laughs> what's well, funny so like I saw I agree with you I saw the Mario movie at like 10 o'clock in an IMAX theater and that mm. was the wrong time to see. Like, again, I have problems with the Mario movie. I don't love it anyway. But, like, yeah. I feel like if there were a bunch of kids, like, having a blast, I'd have a nicer memory of it in mm-hmm. my head. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, asked, I asked a question about Ninja Turtles, and I promise we will be talking about Last Voyage of the Meter <laughs> at some point. But um, because Shahir and I got into a discussion about whether or not we think that the Ninja Turtles have, like, the Ninja Turtles have been like redone and reinvented and re sort of put out a, a bunch of different times. And he was trying to compare it to sort of, I guess, Spider-Man acro- uh-huh. into and across the Spider-Verse, etc. The art styles aren't similar, but they, they're both striking. Um, yeah. He was saying that he felt, and I don't want to put words in his mouth and it's been a minute since I edited the podcast, but the he was saying that it's sort of like, he was curious if the Ninja Turtles still held cachet with the youths, despite mm-hmm. the fact that this movie is the most most youth-focused, like, yeah. rebranding of them. I posit that they do. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think Spider-Man probably globally has more of a, 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 I don't know, a larger fandom than, say, the yeah. Turtles at this point. But the Turtles yeah. have, like, content, I feel like, has been more consistent. Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, so, there's been new turtle stuff, like, every couple of years. There'll be, like, every 10 years, there'll be a whole new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated show. Because just a couple of years ago, it was the one, I think it was the first one with the black April O'Neil came out a couple years ago. Yep. That was really popular. Um, and I've loved the turtle since I was a kid, because my dad got me the comics when I was younger. The old 80s, very much Daredevil-inspired comics. And Mm -hmm. I've just kind of followed it all the way through. And I think it's one of those franchises like Spider-Man where 
as you get older, you can still enjoy it, but the kids coming after you will enjoy it for the same reasons you enjoyed it as a kid. Right. You know, like you yeah. get the dirty humor as you get older. The kids giggle, but they don't know what it means. And it just kind of re- repeats and recycles. Yeah. And I think it has the similar themes of like outcast, you know, the and everyone can be their own turtle, like sex in the city, but for boys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's it's a great time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved it so much. It actually got me to go back. I bought the um the Blu-ray of the first four Turtles movies. So one, two, uh uh Turtles in Time, which I do not like, and then TMNT, yeah. they all came in like a box yeah. set for like five dollars. Yeah. Um, and you're always like, throw away that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> funny. I'll watch three eventually again, but like I really like looking at Mutant Mayhem through the lens of the first Ninja Turtles movie. Like just looking looking at them both, seeing how different they are, what audiences they were trying to reach. And I think like for the time periods they were released, I really feel like they both hit like strong, strong strides on. I don't know. I loved it. And I was just curious what your experience was. Yeah, I loved it. I had a great time. I cannot wait to own it and rewatch it. And I also say I love that I miss animation where people look weird. You know, yeah. it was fun seeing that kind of like almost rugrats, ugly, mm-hmm. uncanny body type kind of thing. That's so perfect for a Turtles movie in yep. particular, where there's like a little bit of a body horror element to it already. But yeah. like, even with, you know, Superfly, like what a great design of that character and how they just, like, like, I'm so glad elder millennials are making art. I'm so yeah. glad that we're, that we're finally reaching that point. Agreed. Well, speaking of, I, actually, I don't know if the director of this film is an elder millennial of Last Voyage of the Demeter. I don't know how old uh, Andre Orvidal. There's a lot of lines in, over those over the letters and things, <laughs> so I'm butchering that. Apologies. Um, I don't know if they're an elder millennial. Perhaps they are, but uh, this is a. The film we're going to discuss today is a. I, I don't even want to say a twist. I it, like I don't know how to put it. It's a expansion on yeah. the Dracula universe that we haven't seen before. Mm. I, I was trying to think if there's ever been a show or a TV sh- or a movie that like did th- what this movie did about the story. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the most I've ever seen are like touches of it and other adaptations of it. Yeah. I feel like what will get expanded more is like the Renfield portion of it. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what's happened even in Nosferatu where I think in Nosferatu it's Renfield first and then it's, uh, then he just goes to, and then I think in like, or is it in one version it's Renfield first. It might be the Dracula with Bela Lugosi. Um, But yeah, I feel like this portion of it either gets pushed over or ignored entirely, which is what makes the premise so interesting because it is a really good self-contained story. And I think the fun part, someone compared it to like alien like the first alien movie yeah but on a boat and i definitely felt a lot of that at certain points where it's like we're like working class folks trying to like get our money and get paid but we're not listening to anybody and just weird shit keeps happening yeah it it, when i finished watching this movie i first of all i do want to say up front i really did love it i'm Mm -hmm. also going to talk some shit Oh, for uh, sure. Uh, because th- this is one of the examples, and I haven't felt this for a while in a film, where a film does 60% of what it's trying to do across the different um, uh, uh, skill trees of filmmaking, let's say, to a point of excellence that I, I'm not used to. And then 
for the other 40% or 30% or whatever, it does such a bad job at other elements of filmmaking. So mm -hmm. the things that stood out to me as just great were uh, like things like art direction, set design, cinematography, and the actual acting, like the acting of the of the actors playing these characters kind of blew me away more than I was expecting. Yeah. Because I thought that the script and the story editing was dog shit. And this is why we're friends. Because here's, especially Clemens, <laughs> like that, that he, he did such a good job. The child actor was really good. But there are moments where it's like, did we have to make, the, did we just dragging out the movie? Yeah. Like the part where they're trying to save Toby, I'm like, there are seven of you. Why can't you break the door? I don't understand what's happening. It's like you are already all stuck in, on a boat. You can't all easily escape. You don't have to create contrivances in order to like increase the terror. Just have him eat the child yeah. so we can get this moving. <laughs> it is, it is. And we'll get into spoilers, I think, around this point too. But the, like, that was the thing. Like, I was never not engaged. Mm -hmm. I really liked watching it. And it went, the, the, the story writing went beyond, like the poorness of it went beyond like contrivances and things like, like, it just like, you could tell the actors had to say the words they were given and they just knocked like their craft out of the park while saying terrible things. Truly. <laughs> and I was like, it was, it's so rare to see this balance and still have it be like a movie that I would unabashedly say, yes, everybody, please go watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought, I, I loved the way, oh, I'm sorry. And the other thing was from the trailer, I was like, this looks great. I'm not a huge fan of like Bat Dracula. Mm. I like I like a more uh, uh, sort of uh, human a, a, <laughs> upscale uh, five star Dracula. Um, <laughs> I only like the most Castlevania. Yes, yes. <laughs> if he's not asking what a man is, I don't. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I want the Netflix version of Dracula. <laughs> but. Um, oh God, that new series is coming out too. Not to derail, but the new oh, Castlevania right. series. I know, I know. And I'm just like, ah, here we go. One more time. It's and so good. It <laughs> I was like, uh, that first, that, Castlevania had no right. Season two of Castlevania had absolutely no right to be that good. And I will say was. this. Yeah, you're, I'm going to yes and you really hard on this. Yes and, I believe that Castlevania is one of the few series across all four uh, seasons that every episode is better than the last one. And the, and the, and the series as a whole, even Ep 1, is great. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, it's one of the only streaming shows that I own on physical media now. because Me of too. Like, Yeah, I have to. I don't want it to ever disappear. I can't disappear. risk it. Yeah. Yes. The fact that you can't have all of BoJack Horseman physical copy is how I know the devil is real. Yeah. Because I need it, and I need, if it goes away, it's going to be a problem. I cannot say because I don't want to have a, 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 a footprint of what I, what I will do. Right. But things will get froggy. Things will get, <laughs> yeah, it'll get rough. Um, <laughs> side note, uh, conversation for after the podcast. Maybe we should do a, a Castlevania something. Anyway, <gasps> yes, uh, something. Uh, regardless, <laughs> back to Dracula on this. I am not normally a fan of Bat Batula. However, yeah. I did find myself like actually really enjoying the take. Like he was, it was a, it was alien. You were a thousand percent yeah. right. It was a monster on a boat. 
mm-hmm. not necessarily you know upscale which is you could tell from the from the trailer that's what it was going to be but i didn't actually expect to enjoy that element of it as mm-hmm. much as i did yeah um yeah i think sometimes what can happen is that with Bacula. They'll do a thing where he's like, oh, he's more monster. Than-. And you'll forget about his brain. Yeah. But in this one, you feel like he's manipulating them, like he's playing with his food. So it's like you're like, so it's kind of got that predator element of it, too, of like, he's taking his time. And I think even the reveal that he can fly happens so well because it's like the fog is happening. The guy's like, I'm just going to get out of here. Being yeah. Jesus. And he's just like, absolutely not. Yeah. I, uh... Wild of you to think that. <laughs> <laughs> they fly now? Yeah, they fly they're now. They fly now. <laughs> um, even though he should have known that they fly. Anyway, sorry, I keep getting us off track. I uh, so th- this film, uh, I-, I haven't even read the IMDb synopsis of it yet, and I would like to do so now, so everyone oh, yes, knows please. exactly what this film is about. <laughs> IMDb says that the Last Voyage of the Meter is a film about a crew sailing from Carpathia to England to find that they are carrying very dangerous cargo. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um. So speaking of this very dangerous cargo, so the, in the story, Dracula is moving uh, to London to find new feeding grounds, basically. Mm-hmm. And this is his U-Haul. What was that? I said the, the boat is his U-Haul. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, it's his pod. Uh, and he is shipping, what, like 50 crates of earth that he needs to sleep in over there, which is the only way he can sort of survive. Um from the moment that these crates are being shipped, it's funny because like you go into this having read the book and both of us, I think, have probably done content based on the book at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, So like we as fans of the original text like know exactly what's happening, what's in there, etc. Something I really liked about the way this movie was structured was it never wasted time on elements of the Dracula story that it feels like people should already know yeah like i don't think they ever referenced like they never actually acted weirded out about it just being cases of dirt like there's moments where they hold it up and look a little confused but they don't like Mm -hmm. there's never them trying to like figure out why that's happening like yeah it's immediate it's we need to survive alien right yeah um the thing that got me confused a little bit though was the character that um, Asling uh, Francis? Oh, man, I'm butchering this. Francicosi uh, Francis- plays. Francicosi, yeah. Francicosi, thank you. Uh, Anna, was she? This is again. This is where I got into a bit of like s- some editing issues. Mm-hmm. Was she just in a crate? So what I what this is what I gather. This is what I hunter gather. I feel like what happened was what had happened was she was there to be his snack. Mm-hmm. To be his little blood thing, he's gonna like, you know, just nibble on it so that he just get from to and from un un unencumbered. Right. Because she got saved, Dracula was like, and I took that personally, and he's just like, all right, now I have to kill all of you because I was really just chilling. I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> I was sitting here with my dirt, trying to just have my little snack. You don't even know her, and you just take my food for me. So I had to double down. Um, <laughs> I like that read. I. In the moment, just how it sort of happened, how she was revealed, like, what was it, a crate? Was it the crate that fell and cracked and then it slipped in the hold and opened and she was just, like, there? It was something like that, yeah. It was like, he's, like, he just notices something. He's he's doctoring, like, Chompy. Yep. And it's just like, wow, I'm sensing something. And it's like, she's there. And, like, 
it's so interesting how like that is the thing that makes everything happen yeah like a wave did it yeah exactly <laughs> force of nature <laughs> or or the or the romani who who uh freaks out the deckhand and drops the crate to crack it initially or mm -hmm. or whatever uh because he never said anything about dragons also Again, this is just the poor writing. They're looking for Dracula. They're looking for him in the entire thing. And there's only one crate that has, like, the super crest on it and the crazy handles and things. But well, why would you look there first? That's why wild. would you look there first? And <laughs> then by that time, he he gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he out. No, my favorite part was, like, because I had their sort of that thing about it. I'm like, okay. So they don't know what the vampire is. Mm -hmm. You know, Dracula mm -hmm. low-key invented it. But I also feel like if you see that your friend that got bit turn into fire in the daytime, maybe we want to just wait until the daytime to do this stuff? You think that that might be a good idea? The I, what if, what if y'all is a doctor? What if y'all is actually went to school? So I think <laughs> one of you could have called like, like, let's just wait. A thousand percent. Shout out to Corey Hawkins, who played uh, uh, Dr. Clemens. Clemens. Um, yeah. Did an awesome job there. Yeah, that was my big plot problem with the film. Is that... Look, I I've never... Princess, I've never sailed on that kind of ship. I don't know mm -hmm. how much day-to-day -day needs to happen across a crew of a bunch of people to mm -hmm. keep that thing afloat and moving in the direction that it needs to. But I, I imagine... Other than paying attention throughout the day, you probably do have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and after they see the first uh, one of their crewmates go up in flames after being bit, you think they might understand that, I mean, maybe they would understand that that would be a thing that Dracula would also be affected by and the fact that they weren't, he wasn't coming out at night and like, there's only so many places on the ship like, they yeah. show them looking for him a couple times, mm -hmm. but never enough. Yeah. And, like, sailors, at least from what I know from fiction, are, like, like not supernatural, um, superstitious sure. people. They like, said even it about having a woman on board. Woman on a ship. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've seen Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. I know. <laughs> Jonah, you got to throw them over the thing. That's how it works. <laughs> I, I stayed awake for that movie. So That's I sailor science. That works. Exactly. That's sailor science based so i'm just saying like if the first thing i had to do is like okay like i don't throw the dirt out i would start throwing the dirt off the ship i'd be like fuck it chuck it go the like, second it, yeah <laughs> yeah the second although i don't know this is the other this is the other weird thing too so the second someone burst into flames during the daytime i would just be doing that the yeah. issue i think is i don't know if they have the wenches on board to like lift those crates up and actually get them out not at a dock i figured that shit out though all right, like, all right. It's, all right. It's, 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 I, I also feel like even just opening it and just scooping the dirt out i would be doing something and like i know that in the book dracula isn't really impacted by daylight like that like that but they don't know that they don't need sure so it's like if anything it'd be in a good way to have like even a daytime vampire scene you know what i mean like i just felt like the movie was so good at building the tension and having the imagery and like feeling everyone get picked off one by one but then they just had to make everyone act like dumb in a way that was unnecessary for a crew of seasoned adult sailors plus toby 
You know, right. t- Toby was, we knew he wasn't long for this world. But the rest of them, I was like, Davos, you know what, the, you, you should know better than this. Captain Elliot. Yeah. Uh, he, he, again, and it's funny because it, it goes back to my, I think the previous thing I was saying about like the script versus how the actors are acting so well. It mm-hmm. felt like, and again, it's it's a bad way, but I it never it never I was more uh, aware of it and less judging of it. Like it felt unbalanced in the quality of acting I was seeing versus words and logic on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but I will say this: going back to Toby, going back to the kid, uh, Woody Norman, played by Woody Norman, mm-hmm. he did a great job as a child actor. And kudos to this movie. Spoilers for going to the place of just icing him in, like, yeah. horrifying ways. I respected it. Uh, I, w- I thought it was going to be, like, midnight uh, mass and, like, the kids might survive, but no, they were 86. Kid, A kid dies in this thing and a dog dies in this thing. So, And it's his dog. It's, yeah, it's the kid's it, dog <laughs> first. It, this is a sad movie. <laughs> yeah, it's very depressing. Um and I think, you know, um, Ainsling uh, is such a great actor that even when they are playing a ridiculous character, I'm like, I still love this. Yeah. And you know what it reminded me of? I was like, that terrible character of Anna from Van Helsing died so that this character could live. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> they're both named Anna. And I'm just like, wow. You see how with one one dies, the other kid risen? It's like that. <laughs> it's been so long. You're talking about the 2004 Van Helsing? Of course, with Kate Beckinsale and Hugh Jackman, absolutely. I own it in 4K. Yo. I own it in 4K. It's been a minute <laughs> since I've watched it. We should That's do a, you. You know what? That's your ideal Dracula in that movie. Yeah. Because he's he's very sophisticated. Yeah, he's one. very, very sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, Vladisilis Dracula, I believe. <laughs> Not genus and species. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about this... It's funny. This is one of those movies, <laughs> the 2004 Van Helsing, <laughs> when they were trying to figure out what to do with Hugh Jackman in a post-Wolverine world. His uh, B-sides were wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we got to watch that. I, I, You own it in 4K, you said? I do. I do own it in 4K. It we'll was find the, the largest screen possible. I rewatched it recently, and I was like, you know what? A th- a th- not even a third. A, a fourth of this movie is genuinely entertaining. The rest of it, <laughs> this is the most beautiful train wreck I've ever seen in my life. It's so ambitious. It's so ridiculous. It's like, if I had to choose between, if I had to keep a bad movie between this and The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yep. I'm keeping Van Helsing. Yeah, I agree. It's but, joyful. <laughs> it, yeah, there's there's a weird joy to it. It's, it's Hugh Jackman finding Finding his feet. Yeah. Uh, and yes, Anna died, you know, died in that movie, so this Anna this Anna could could walk. Um, and then die, but be- die then, better. Sure. <laughs> die better, yeah. Died like real better. Yeah. No this this is another good thing I'll say about the film. No death felt cheap. Mm-hmm. Even even like side deckhand deaths felt like they kind of mattered. There was a real and I think it goes down to the way it was shot and the way it was acted. It, it, there was a real sense of like, not not family, but like work community, like mm-hmm. like like sailors. Like it felt like real sailors knowing they had to 
watch out for each other even if they weren't like on the same page even after the discussion of like what are you gonna do with your share and like people getting mad at the doctor or doing whatever uh specifically the i really liked the conflict between uh wojek and clemens mm -hmm. uh uh wojek played by david another name i can never do dash malchin yeah 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 um who's just popping up everywhere now which is awesome uh the like I loved that conflict because it felt like a real conflict with a real uh ending to it. Um mm -hmm. it's funny, I put that in contrast with another conflict that was similar in a piece of media that I've been in engaging with that uh I think this is the first bad mark I'll put on the thing I'm about to say. But I've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3. Also if I Oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh the conflict between Lizelle and Shadowheart. Oh, I yeah. really like, but I just got to a point where it's possible, and due to my incredible uh, warlock persuasion checks, uh, you can talk them through, mm -hmm. uh, and they get to be okay with each other. Oh, that's cute. And I like that they're okay with each other, but the way that it happened in the scene that it does, I was like, okay, like, oh, is it time for them to be friends if I can roll a 17 or whatever? Like, in this movie... Mm -hmm. I never felt like the conflict wasn't real or based in their characters. Yeah. It wasn't just like they were mad at each other because like one's a sailor and one's a doctor. It's yeah. like they all had little, every character in this movie had little extra things going on that made their choices when it mm -hmm. came to interacting with other characters make sense. Exactly. And I think that, you know what I would say? This director, I'm like, I want you to direct Moby Dick. Because I feel mm. like this is an audition tape for doing a good Moby Dick Yo. movie. I was just like, just let's just go. Take the same cast. Still same movie. Yeah. I have not seen anything else from Andre. I, I know he did Mortal. Uh, and he did... Uh, oh, dang. He did Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark in 2019. Oh! Okay. That was the anthology series, right? I watched... I believe so. And then in 2010... No. he did. I always get confused. Wow, he did Troll Hunter. Oh, yeah. D absolutely should do a Moby Dick movie. Yeah. <laughs> I like I, That's so funny. That's so perfect. This is an audition tape to do a Moby Dick story. Yeah. Oh, man. You see what we come up with here on the pod? I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so with, with all of that said and the way, like, how do I put this? I was trying to describe to people before the show mm -hmm. why I still loved it despite all of its many, many flaws because it goes beyond like mm -hmm. liking a schlocky thing. Because I don't think there's I don't think there's a lick of schlock kind of in this. This is yeah. done very seriously. I agree. You know what I think it is is like, and I was thinking about this because I've been thinking about Dracula content for October. Is that I don't think that we have yet to have like a really good adaptation of dracula the book i had just finished rewatching bram stoker's dracula the francis ford coppola movie yep and that's the movie that introduces the bullshit of like mina being dracula's reincarnated wife sure i hate that um but i feel like there has been no adaptation of dracula that fully gets like the goth elements the horror elements focuses on the human characters and then that doesn't make dracula the de facto protagonist of the series right so what i loved about this is that it's a dracula story that cares about the human element that is being oppressed and put upon by dracula i feel like 
recent Dracula stuff either want to make him like sexy or make him be like the star of it. Yeah. And really it should be the the human characters. And I really felt like they did a really good job with like Clemens, with with the with the first mate and the captain yep. of really tying you into the human element and making you remember like Dracula is a fucking monster who is coming to literally plague all of London. Yeah. And he does need to go down. So I felt it was like a very effective adaptation of Dracula for that reason. It was going back to the roots. Yeah. I I agree. I think I think a lot of times we get in, in any sort of mainstream adaptation of something that uh, where where the mainstay is a villain, where the where the name brand recognition is the monster. Mm-hmm. I feel like lately we get takes where it's like, yeah, but how can we make like this antagonist the protagonist and make sure that like, well, they're like they're why people are coming. So like, let's dive in. Why is Dracula like, like you know, this? Like, and yeah. not to say you can't do interesting things. Again, I I would posit not to go back to Marvel as I often do, but the mm-hmm. basically Infinity War and Endgame, right? Infinity War, they kind of make Thanos the main character without, like, admitting to it. And I think that's very strong to get the understanding of who Thanos is. But then they have a whole other movie to pay it off uh, mm-hmm. with, that's more based on the other characters in that franchise. With with something like Dracula, um, I feel like we've gotten so many—this is a weird thing to say—we've gotten so many, like— Thanos-esque treatments of turning him into the main thing, but never enough focus on what that means. Yeah. The closest being Castlevania. Like, I feel Castlevania has so many good pathos moments for Dracula where it's like, listen, I was I was doing better. I had yep. my little wife, had my little son, and then they fucked with me, so I had to remind them who the fuck I am. So I will kill every... Like, I was... Like, I think the scene... Where like he realized that he almost kills Alucard. Yeah. And he's like, I almost killed our like that is such a great moment because like that's like the duality of this person who is like always willing to to destroy everything for one goal. And like that, but that also is like two seasons of work. Uh-huh. You know, that is a long game. And that's great, but that's not everything. It's a lot of like even in the first four Coppola Dracula, like that is a that is a Dracula sympathy that is based off of Gary Oldman in Leather Alone. <laughs> like Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have no problem with character development, but I want Dracula to be the reason why everything is fucked. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and I want I want to care about everything being fucked because I care about the people that everything being fucked affects. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not just a, a, like, I didn't, admittedly, I did not see Dracula Untold, the pre-start of the Dark Universe before the start of the Dark Universe that then went nowhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, Poor Luke Evans. I he know. Really be, he really be trying. Uh, but did you see that movie? I did, I did not. No. I, I, I did not partake. Okay. But it is uh, only 92 minutes, which, in my opinion, is the strongest thing I could say about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you tell me there's a 92-minute movie, I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> a 92-minute long movie is the equivalent of someone being like, you hungry? And going, I could eat. Like, yeah. it's like that weird, like, <laughs> that weird little middle point of time. Um, So I did not see that movie, but that felt like a real, like, let's make Dracula the main character. Uh, that obviously didn't do well for whatever they were trying to do there. Um, 
And here, again, going back to this particular film, I do appreciate, I didn't think I would, but I did appreciate the monstrousness of having the character be the force of nature that all of the characters that I actually did come to care about were mm -hmm. fighting against. Um, I also thought, I, I didn't expect to give a shit about the crew or the cap, specifically, uh, specifically Captain, uh, ba -ba -ba -ba, Captain Elliot and uh, Wojcik's sort of relationship. Like, yeah. very easily, you could have made Wojcik the guy who like is jealous and then does a thing that then fucks the thing up, and they would have got Dracula if only Wojcik didn't not believe in doctor science or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that. They have a heartfelt moment about you know this is my last this is my last assignment. You're going to be captain. Oh, that's great. And then they have a, a tie-up with it that's like, you would have made a great captain. Like, yeah. knowing they're all going to die. Yeah. And, like, those are small moments I find in a lot of these movies, especially with, like, adapted works with big names sort of tied to, big, big like, IP names tied to it, like a Dracula thing. Mm -hmm. um, I find that those are, are probably the moments that get cut the most because they don't think it's going to have, like, the weight or, like, to get yeah. rid of time. And here it was nice because they just sort of, like, gave breath to the characters, like, what they wanted and what it mattered. And that made the ridiculousness of them not being able to find an eight-foot-tall Batman on the boat in the day uh, a little bit more purchase. Absolutely. Because I think one of the things that kind of gets lost in, like, a good horror movie is that, like, y you do need to care a little bit. Yeah. You know, you need to care a little bit about these people. You have to care a little bit about what, like, what the stakes are. Like, I think, you know, they, they did the usual heat thing, like, it's my last job. But also <laughs> just, like, you know, he wants to raise his grandson in a good way. He, he's, they're all good enough people. They just want to, you know, go to the brothel, get paid, not experience racism anymore. You know, yeah. the simple things in life. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, it makes them all relatable and it makes it just really sad now they're going to die. Uh, fun fun fact, uh, Dracula Untold made uh, $217 million. Fuck! <laughs> Do we need to see that now? Do we? Off, off of a $70 million budget. So technically, which $70 million, y'all are on crack. But also, yeah. like, but technically a hit. It just had, it just got totally eviscerated by critics, but you know. I, I it happens to the best of us. <laughs> is that the strength, man? I don't know how to do this research fast enough for this podcast. Is that the strength of the Dracula name? Maybe. Oh, you want to see something better? So th the mummy made $410 million. And they wow. still cancel that universe. What? Wow. So, Jesus. <laughs> I wonder why that. Is it just because normally the money would just make the things keep happening? That's the thing that I don't understand. It must have been something. Someone must have a video essay about this because, like, yeah. if they've made all of this money, they they, they would have found a way. If life you know, finds a way. If yeah, life finds a way. If you know, dear listener, uh, a video essay the princess and I could watch about exactly why the apparently money printing dark universe uh, got canceled. <laughs> Email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, um, it's that plans were shelved following the failure of the mummy. And I'm like, not failures financially, sis. Like, it's, yeah, like what the it's hell? It's a lot of money. <laughs> like, I wonder, wait, so how much did the mummy cost? 200, Let's... but I feel like, like less than 200. It looks like it's, they say between 125 and 195 million, which is probably all Tom Cruise. If we're yeah. being totally frank. Yeah. Um, 
The all, reception was negative reviews, but again, they do not care. <laughs> like, they don't give a shit about that. We, you know, we have plenty of films to show. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, I, I like, and then I wonder, like, for the Mummy particularly, if it's a budget is one hundred and twenty-five million, I wonder how much then was marketing, like yeah. a, outside of that, right? Like, was it another hundred million, and then therefore that, but still, then they would have made what two hundred and twenty something mil. It. So apparently it's just the marketing because they say that due to a combined production and market cost of three hundred and forty five million, it was estimated like so. So so essentially, they spent a shit ton of money for no goddamn reason. Because if they hadn't done that, they would have made their money back. You're ridiculous. Also, <laughs> I'm looking here at the breakdown too. I love that this is now just about the mummy and the dark universe. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Technically, this is part of it. It would have been part of it if it kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this this would be the werewolf werewolf at night or or what was the what's the Marvel show the one off? Uh, oh, werewolf... oh um, yeah, that werewolf thing that I never watched. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I heard it was good too. Uh, no, so the domestic take of the four hundred and nine million dollars for the Mummy was only eight was only eighty million. Was so like ninety mm. nineteen point six. The international was three twenty nine million. Okay. So I wonder if there were like if this was during a period of time where like stupidly they didn't like well, well if it's not making it in the U.S. then like whatever you know what I mean like yeah uh yeah, so that could tie in yeah that's it's such a weird thing because it came out apparently right behind Wonder Woman which is like because it came out the same year yeah um <laughs> a third film currently in development not anymore baby. Whop, whop, whop. <laughs> another universe destroyed um but yeah it's just like it's i feel like they just shot their shot too early with trying to do the whole combined universe because i feel like if they had just made good movies with the universal monsters it would have organically just happened they would have they would have been printing money in their own way because everyone loves a halloween event yeah just put it out in october that's the thing and i i don't need to see Mr. Hyde or Dr. Jekyll in the fucking mummy mo- like I we do not need Avengers crossovers. What we need is what they did back in the old the old days where there's a Dracula movie, there's a mummy movie, there's a creature from the Black Lagoon movie. And then once those are all established, mm-hmm. oh, it's Dracula meets Frankenstein. Like you don't have to call it that, but like that's when you come you don't need to like I feel like it's kind of the same problem that everyone who's tried to copy the MCU has gotten into and now the MCU it's funny, it used to be a paragon of like, this is how you do it. But then post-Endgame, there's definitely arguments to be made about that right. level of uh, shared universe burnout. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you're right. They should have just made their own movies during the uh, spooky season. And then when those hit, start figuring out ways to throw them up against Abbott and Costello or whatever. Like, right. If they had just <laughs> shipped this out to Blumhouse, Blumhouse would have been making money. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Blumhouse would have been like, we got you, boo. Yeah. Set. You don't. They should just look at my good children, the Godzilla versus Kong franchise, ah. and and realize that you can break even if you just give the people what they want. Yeah, like Godzilla versus Kong did so well despite the pandemic. Yeah, it, it did so well with streaming with everything because it gave people what they wanted. It was mostly a Kong movie, which I appreciated. Sure. And, like, it just, it knew how to give the people what they wanted in the end. And that's how you win. 
And I think, I, I, I'm curious actually now how Last Voyage is doing overall. I'm sure it's not doing great. It's not doing great, but I feel like it's because it costs a little bit more than it needed to. Yeah. I think it's like 170 was the budget, and I'm just like, girl, for what? I mean, pay the actors, obviously. Sure. But like, but like this is, a, so the budget was $45 million. Okay. And I'm just like, all right, that's respectable. That's a mid, then we can get into the conversation of like mid-level movies. Like, yeah. they're not, even though we want them, they're not back. Like, yeah. uh, so I could see the problem there. I just also wouldn't have put this movie out in August. Like, w w this is not an August movie. This is a supernatural horror film. This should be coming out September the earliest. But this is like a, this is a perfect October movie. Yeah. I wonder then, and now, now I'm just like doing all this side research about like the, <laughs> uh, like, uh, what else is, like, what the company, like, what company is putting out what when, right? Yeah. Because, you know what, it, I was just telling someone the other day, like, technically Aquaman is supposed to be coming out in two months, three months. It's coming out in December, allegedly. Oh. They, haven't, they haven't changed anything yet. And I'm like, what? what's happening? So what's coming out in 2000? Uh, all right. So August, at the end of it, Blue Beetles, Bottoms, which I already got tickets for. <laughs> uh, September, Equalizer 3. The Nun 2. That's going to, see, that's where it should have been. Yep. Expendables 4. Dear God. <laughs> Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie. Dicks the Musical Saw X. September would have been a great time to release this film because it looks like it's nothing but B-sides. October is Killers of the Flower Moon, mm -hmm. uh, Exorcist Believer, um, Five Nights at Freddy's. Again, again so okay. much room in October for this movie. I think, hold on. I think mm -hmm. I know why. Go ahead. So, Universal has Exorcist Believer mm -hmm. and Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay. Coming out October 13th and October uh, 27th, respectively. Yeah. Oh, well, Five Nights at Freddy's is actually streaming and releasing in theaters. Interesting. Um, that's Universal's... I think they're probably afraid of putting a third movie in the rotation there because it would eat other mm. movies' lunches. Now, if I were to choose based solely on IP... Which of the out of those three, including Last Voyage of the Demeter, uh, I would want to put in October for success. I would move Exorcist. Yes. I know Exorcist would, well, or Five Nights at Freddy's if it was done. Well, the thing about it too, like Five Nights at Freddy's is also streaming on Peacock at the same time. So ain't nobody gonna go to the theater to see if it's streaming on Peacock. Yeah, like it's like that's. <laughs> I don't, and also listen. I don't think the Five Nights at Freddy's movie looks bad per se mm -hmm. i've never been a fan of the franchise but i do know we're a little long in the tooth for a film like yeah. i would i would say that the five nights at freddy's uh fever i know there's fans of the franchise of course but like it's nowhere near where it was when pewdiepie or whoever was screaming about it <laughs> like you know what i mean like it feels a yeah. little late in the game also i don't know if you've seen the exorcist believer trailer Oh, I have, unfortunately. I saw it during Oppenheimer, and it looks like garbage. Yeah, like what? But the score still hits. Yeah, the score hits. <laughs> like, that is a film where it's like, listen, doesn't matter what the movie is. Play that music and throw the word The Exorcist up there, and people are going to come see it. And that sucks. Yeah. And Honestly, I don't think they will. I don't think they will, because I don't think The Exorcist is a brand as as strong as The Conjuring anymore oh from a from a pop culture standpoint no chance in hell is yeah. is exorcist as popular as the conjuring verse but 
you're going to get the, the old horror uh, head sort of in there with something called The Exorcist. I mm. do believe. Now, is it going to have a cultural footprint? Absolutely not. Could mm -hmm. you get people that don't actively discuss films on the Internet outside of that range or whatever to go see that movie? Yeah, throw the name up. I, I, I think what I'm curious what the what we don't know yet, maybe, but the budget for that was versus what it's going to make. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. And just looking at the end of the year, like November's stacked. So that's going to be funny as hell to watch. Mm -hmm. And then December is like the only two things that there are three things that matter that are coming out in December. That's Wonka, Aquaman, then the Lost Kingdom and the color purple. Those are going to be the three big ones that Actually, come out there. Side note, color purple. Hold on. Yeah, on Christmas Day. So the Black Church gonna get that movie. So much moolah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so uh, 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 I thought it, that this was true. Corey Hawkins, uh, is in. The He's Color gonna Purple. be in it. Yeah, 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 he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, good, good tie in there. And actually, going back, I think. I wonder. Ooh, now we're getting into some weird boardroom bullshit. That's I wonder good. if they were gun shy of releasing Last Voyage of the Demeter under a title that did not include Dracula in mm. October. That's weak if so. Yes. Oh, a thousand percent. But Apparently the international markets have it as Dracula, Forge, or the Demeter, which I'm just like, it feels like Harley Quinn and the <laughs> birds. You know what I mean? It feels like that shit. Like, we have to promote the IP. It's like, Renfield already made money, you know? Like, if you had just tied that in better, that would have probably been a better call anyway. Honestly, get Nick Cage's Dracula to come back because, you know, that's a top tier of Dracula. But I I just feel like they had no faith in this and kind of just dumped it because I haven't yeah. seen any promotion for it. And it's like, the, put it, at least put it dual on Peacock, you know? Put it on early September. Give it a chance to do something because it's a really solid film in... Ooh. In my opinion. Oh, yeah, ahead, actually, yeah. that just gave me a weird markety idea that maybe they're thinking. Dump this in August because mm -hmm. they don't have faith in it. But then they have a bigger name, not bigger name, but a, a larger horror movie to put on streaming in the month of October. Mm, so they can bump it there to have yeah so to they make can up the revenue. It, mm -hmm. Get two or three weeks of view time on Peacock or whatever before Five Nights drops. Maybe this is just a big, dumb game of Tetris. I hate that this is the economy that we live in when it comes to these films. Yeah. Because it's like, to, to have a whole movie get made and have a director who clearly enjoys making these kind of films and just like put it at a shitty time spot so that you could put it on a lackluster streaming service <laughs> that I do pay money for. Actually, no, I would say Peacock is actually a pretty solid streaming service. The interface is just unusable. Oh. Um, I think times. I don't. I, that's the one I don't have. It, it for my Law and Order rewatches and for like a lot of like popcorn TV, it's great. Definitely beating Paramount Plus is like a, a, a system. I can't but get away from Paramount because of Star Trek. That's the only thing it has. That's yeah. why they won't release the Blu-rays. They keep showing me that Star Trek D Space Nine game. I'm like, release the 4K of fucking D Space Nine. You asshole. I just started. Won't. Remember how I said I didn't have time to watch Doctor Who? I honestly, full full admittance, just restarted a Deep Space Nine rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when you get to season five because I stopped there because I broke up with somebody, the person who got me into Star Trek. I broke up with them 
right around that point. So once you get there, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll re I'll get right, back in. All right. I had, it was my first time going around. But it's um, funny. I I watched it when I was way younger, and I think I I don't think I was I watched it all, but I remember not like loving it like I did love um next, next gen, gen. Mm-hmm. and even Voyager. And now mm. I'm watching it as an adult. And I'm like, this thing, even three eps in, I was like, has f- fucking way more de- like. It, it, this might be. <laughs> I love where we're going here, but like, isn't is Deep Space Nine the first Star Trek series that actually truly moved from problem slash monster of the week like vibe to like? I feel like the the plot structure and the story of Deep Space Nine as it goes feels way more like prestige television like a lost or something along those lines from a story structure perspective than definitely next gen and i would even argue voyager did like yeah. i feel like they were telling a more consistent story well i'm a baby trucker i i only my mom is is a trucky mm-hmm. um uh, i'm second generation so <laughs> I, I my my experience my exposure to the show is was limited up until when i saw disco and then deep space nine yeah what I will say, watching Deep Space Nine, it it made me feel as if I understood why there was such a reverence for Star Trek. Because you know, whenever it would be the Star Trek versus Star Wars thing, I'd be yeah. like, I mean, one of its what it's the same, really. And then I watched Deep Space Nine, and I'm like, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's just that's just a reality situation. One has to do with people, and another one has to do with legacy and space wizards. One is good and the other <laughs> is okay <laughs> i mean i just i feel like no shade i mean star wars is what it is but i i definitely feel like it upsets me and i think this kind of ties back into this movie is like it distresses me how like we're in a space where we don't know how mid budget movies can perform yeah and so they're being used as kind of like these dumping write-offs when I feel like it's important to like make these films, especially in horror, a genre that honestly could use more of that. Because yeah. I feel what makes Blumhouse so successful is that like it gives you a cute budget, it makes everything look good, but it's just trying to make like a fun, enjoyable thing. I mean, after like me three again. The what? Me- oh, me- Megan. Me- sorry, I call me it three again. <laughs> I, I, it, my brain glitched, and then it took me two seconds longer than it should to understand what you were saying. No, it's fine. Megan had a budget of twelve million dollars. Wow! So I, I didn't. I didn't see it. I still need to. I know. I know. It's just one of those things it's I missed. Oh, well, still can't see it then. Um, but uh, twelve million, even from the trailer alone, seems fairly cheap. It looks so good. Like. They did an amazing job. It doesn't look that cheap, and it is so funny. And, like, they, there's a PG-13. It's PG-13, but there's an R-rated cut, but I think the PG-13 version of it is excellent. And, like, it was able to make so much money because it literally just had a fun, solid script, used the budget where it needed to go, and it worked so well. I, like, it, I'd watch it right now. It <laughs> like, made 179 mil. Yeah. On a $12 million budget. That's how you do, and it's also Universal. Universal literally can see what you can do with that kind of money, yeah. just out of if you do it well, and they just don't do it. I, and it sucks too because, like, I can, you, I think for for Last Voyage of the Demeter, you can see the money on the screen. 
Like, I think doing <laughs> doing boat stuff is expensive <laughs> yeah. uh, and hard to pull off well. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't ever a time. I'm not saying that the, the VFX are flawless or the way, the, you know, whatever, but like there was never a time where anything that they did or a choice that they made or a scene that they shot or, or affected pulled me out of me being on that boat. Absolutely. And I really appreciated that. I was going in expecting to be knocked back a few times, and I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see the money. I just wish that they would. I, I think it's a distribution problem. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's they're scared of their roster and the roster around them. This doesn't have a name in it. Air quotes. Yeah. Uh, and they put it in August to die. Like it's this is the end of what I would say like big movie season. Mm-hmm. Like w- we just had Barbenheimer. Of course there yeah. was Mission Impossible. The Guardians three. Yeah. Like still haven't watched that one. I I started watching it and I paused, but I need to I need to finish that. I was very happy where that. Mm-hmm. And again, you know why? Felt like it ended. Yeah. I love it ending. End stuff. Things should what a, end more. Ending. What a concept. What a concept. <laughs> what, we, we, have, we have so many tools to make films better now. And what's the first thing we jettison is letting something stop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it was so funny because so I saw I did Barbenheimer, but I saw Barbie twice and I saw Oppenheimer once. And I was so I've never been a big Nolan girl. I think if I were to name the movies of his that I like, I like Inception and I like Memento. Yeah. I don't really care for his Batman movies, even though I know they are objectively good movies. I loved Oppenheimer so much that I mm-hmm. went out and I bought the, the American Prometheus. Like, I think it is the best thing he's ever made. And I was so stunned that the fact that even though it's a three hour movie, it still feels more concise than fucking interstellar. Like it's oh, like, yeah. like a, a terrible, a terrible movie. But it's like, and like it, I sat there thinking to myself, like, wow, two big budget films came out that are the perfect pairing of the right director, mm-hmm. the right cast, faith in the faith in the in the product. And even though there's a whole aspect of Marvel being an IP, but like a fucking original ass thing. Mm -hmm. And they're both fucking great. Yeah. That's what I want. And this is in its own way that thing. I think it has a great cast, a director who obviously cares. There's a few things that are very much like we're making this for a big audience kind of things. But overall, like this is the kind of movie that I want to come out in theaters during Halloween with all of my little spooky friends, like, oh, let's go see a Dracula movie. And like, we talk about it and be like, oh, that was so fun. I would watch it again. Mm-hmm. There, th- there's a natural place for this to fit in, but I don't feel like the, they felt confident in it because of everything else putting up these very big, excellent movies. Cause you know, Blue Beetle is coming out. That's going to take a bunch of attention. Like yep. it's so, it's so distressing. And Blue Beetle is also not doing well because we're in, first of all, it's DC. But second of all, we're just in a space where people are not flocking to that. And I feel yeah. in a post-Barbie Oppenheimer world, like, I don't think Marvels is going to be a steal the way people think it is. I don't think that Aquaman can be. I, I think that things are changing and that the audiences are showing people that they will show up, but they want it to be good. Yeah. They want it to be good. Because all the movies that have done really well this year are good movies. Because... 
TMNT is doing fairly well for what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It's the Spider-Verse, Barbenheimer. Like, people want good. They're not going to leave their house for less than that. I think that's 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 the sentence, right? They're, they're not going to leave their house for less than good. Like, um, and look, I it it stinks. Well, no, it's great that that seems like it's finally happening. Mm-hmm. The downside to that is films like Last Voyage of the Demeter, Blue mm-hmm. Beetle, etc., that are legitimately, I would say, really good, fun movies are going to feel the brunt of that change as it swings back. Yeah. Um, Demeter, because of placement via other movies in that sort of cycle, and Blue Beetle because, oh, look, another superhero movie with a CG fucking suit, which, again, I like it. I like yeah. it. It looks good. But, like, even me, even me, the, the superhero shill who normally flocks, flocks out to see anything like that, mm-hmm. I stopped going i didn't even see flash in theaters i i will see blue beetle but i haven't gotten my tickets yet like i feel like i can even see me slipping so yeah yeah i didn't see the flash in theaters i'm only going to be seeing it through luffy like activities um because it's not out on max yet which is the only way i was going to watch it wait is it flash out on max no not yet it's not coming out i think till next month dave mentioned he watched it on max did he Dave you're a liar oh no (laughs) well we're gonna have to fight Dave now um let's see it's let's see uh oh oh, it's it's coming out on the 25th oh okay I don't know yeah uh maybe it was like on like you he's special he has special abilities (laughs) he does have special abilities he is the superhero of us all um Yeah, so I, I still haven't seen it. I've I've seen too many clips of it across shorts and TikToks and shit. So like I kinda get it. I also mm-hmm. don't care. Um yeah. I don't know. I want a million more Last Voyage of the Demeters before I get anything else that remotely yeah. looks like that movie. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean there are so many this has reminded me that like in horror films and horror novels, excuse me, there are so many of those small moments that you wish you could just sit with more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is for the this is for the 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 book nerds, you know. This is for like the people yeah. who are like, yeah, I want more of this one, this one thing. Like I think about like in Frankenstein, like the the how the portions where the monster is being taught, like by the girl, yep. how to like think. I'm like, wow, a movie from her perspective about Frankenstein would be so good right now. Like, like that's that's the kind of stuff that I wish we had room for right now. Yeah, but I feel like just like. Just like all those all white male directors were saying five years ago <laughs> about the big blockbuster pushing it out, they were they were correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. Shahir also ha- has been screaming from the rooftops about this, and I'm and and back five years ago, six years ago, whatever, when I was full on the Marvel train and they couldn't miss. I was like, it's just what the people want, man. I don't know yeah. what the fuck you're saying. It's like we're now. I'm now seeing the the folly of that and the way that all the people that have been saying things like that are mm-hmm. entirely right like it, yeah. it we got served ice cream for breakfast lunch and dinner and for a while man that was cool yeah and then our stomachs started to hurt and we realized that perhaps we need a broader diet of cinema <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's so funny not to not to talk about another podcast, but the Ringers Midnight Boys were doing a thing about like the state of the comic book movies, uh-huh. and they were talking about specifically the, like the diversity that we that is happening now, mm-hmm. and like why it hasn't been working. And they made up a point that I thought was actually really good is that like even though we may like those characters, there are not a lot of iconic stories with those characters to adapt. Right. So it's like the reality is, is like right now, so it is the B-sides. Like I hate to say it, but yeah. it's like the people that you want to see go up against Kang are the Fantastic Four, baby, and they're not even in the building. Yeah. You know, like you, you, do, do you want to see Ironheart go? No, you want to see Tony Stark. You want to see those characters. Like legacy characters have always been harder in Marvel anyway. Uh-huh. Because, like, at least with DC, you had, like, the little apprentice characters. But yep. that was never what it was in Marvel. So it's even hard to move past those characters even before there was the Hollywood element to it. Like, people want to see those characters. People are not invested in the rest of them because they're not – it's just not the same. It works in one medium but not in all of them. And it just, like – it sucks. <laughs> it and sucks. and to, uh, uh, sort of piggybacking on that. It did the build across those characters, introducing characters that did have a rich history and money stories to pull from slowly mm-hmm. and like purposefully and mm-hmm. making sure that you were telling good stories with those characters first and doing all of your tie-in stuff as little sprinkles. Yeah. I, I We got to Secret Invasion and fuck, I did you don't watch it if you haven't. I, I have it because the thing about it too, I said and I told someone like this. I said I'm only going to see it if Electra's in it, and they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Don't." I see, I, I literally said like, "If you don't know that, you don't know." That's not my fault. Yeah, <laughs> Secret Invasion is one of my absolute favorite crossover events in Marvel history. I love it to fucking death, and I knew that it couldn't be the same. Yeah. But I was expecting at least a modicum of what made the vibe of that story feel special. No. And it was not there. They replaced it with sadness and uh, spending. Talk about spending a bunch of money on a nothing burger. Regardless. (laughs) Sorry. We've been going for too long. We do this every time. We do. (laughs) We never learn our lesson. Uh, But we'll do it all over again. But we'll do it again. (laughs) Uh, last thoughts, uh, Princess, on Voyage of the Demeter. What do you want the people to know about this film? Um, I really loved it. I mean, solid performances. Honestly, I would love a Clemens spinoff that fits him into, like, a larger Dracula story. I yeah. think that he could be the Van Helsing character. He's already mm-hmm. a doctor. I think, you know, Van Helsing's already tired anyway. That's Guillermo's grandpappy. Let's just switch it out. So I would, I would love for this to continue, just, like, with a slightly smaller budget because I feel like that's what the that's what the economy needs and just do these like more intense character focused stories and i cannot wait to see this director do moby dick yeah no, that's <laughs> great uh last thing i'll say to that uh did you see talk to me no but i'm going to it's on my list so should i not no you absolutely should uh talk to me is a perfect example and again obviously one takes place in australia in a town and this one takes place on the ocean on an old ship. So, like, fighting a vampire. Uh, b- budget for Talk To Me was $4.5 million. Mm-hmm. And it hits so hard above its weight class. Um, so, I, to your point, 
I do think maybe tightening a budget a bit and making sure that the next story, if they do continue something with Clemens on land, would be a really, really smart move. I I loved this movie. I uh, will probably buy it on physical. I th- feel like this is something that I would like, kind of like roll out during Halloween just mm-hmm. for fun. It feels updated, but still feeling of its of the time period that we're supposed to be watching these characters in. And it made me give a shit about characters that I didn't know before. And that's yeah. really, really nice. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, this has been the only podcast about the film Last Voyage of the Demeter. Princess, thank you so much for coming on and co-hosting again. Thank you so much for having me. And this might be the only podcast about the Last Voyage of the Demeter. And for that... We applaud you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> where can folks find all of the wonderful things you do across the interwebs and beyond? Oh, my God. Well, I've been trying not to use X, uh, but I am on it as at Weeks Princess, and I'm also on YouTube as Princess Weeks. New videos coming out this week and the next, uh, which I don't know when this will come up. This will soon. air this Sunday. So maybe by the time this airs, your video will be out? Or the- yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's let's aim for that. Oh, yeah, let's yes. just put it out into the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. My sponsor will be thrilled. Um, So, yes. <laughs> And um, I'm going to plan on doing some more Twitch stuff because I have unboxings to do and so much magic to gather. Um, But in general, I'm just talking about movies on YouTube and on Patreon. We got to get you on. uh, We got to do some sort of collab on the EC Twitch side of things. We just uh, either to do some sort of gaming thing or we do talk shows. Uh, We do like a breakfast gaming like news talk show thing. Oh my god, I would love that because I have so many, I have so many board games, I have so many card games that no one plays with me. And I'm just sitting here like I just want someone to play Coup with me. Oh, Coup's so great. I've only played it once, but I liked it a lot. Coup is the perfect game because you can play it so many times in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's real fast. It's yeah. very, very fast. Um, anyway, sorry, we're gonna keep going <laughs> if we don't stop. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back at you with the film next week. Don't know what it is yet. Uh, although I will say it is possible that the next film we do is not a new film Mm. and has a one word title that we did say in this episode. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. What was that? Dracula. Dracula. No, it's not Dracula. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that might happen because there were some machinations. Anyway, we will talk at you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope your week goes well. And, uh, yeah, bye, everybody. Bye. bye.